Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForGant. And while you're there on Twitter, give me a follow at GoForAgain. Also, I've got the chat room all set up and ready to go. I'll be in there chatting with you during the show while the show is going on. So if you have a question, you have a comment that you want to add into the chat room, again, come, 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 come to blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, and we can chat it up and talk it up and have a funky good old time. Expected today to be joined by actress, Joyful Drake, one of the stars of BET's hit show, Let's Stay Together. And Joyful's a big-time Packers fan, a joyous Packers fan, and also a big-time Milwaukee Bucks fan. And so we're going to get her take and her thoughts on those particular things. And also, Let's Stay Together. I mean, it's coming back in January. Again, a very successful debut, a very successful show. Very successful show, Let's Stay Together. And so we're going to talk to Joyful about some of the things she has going on with that show, and some of the things she has going on outside that show. We're also going to be joined by our Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe, and we're going to talk all things NFL. A lot of interesting, great things going on out there, great, interesting things going on out there in the world of sports, in the world of the NFL, the world of sports, obviously, because we've got two hours to talk about it, and we're going to talk about it for two hours, but especially in the NFL, a lot of storylines, a lot of things that need to be talked about, and we're going to talk about them with the great Willie Ruff. I'm going to start, though, in the National Basketball Association. I'm going to start more specifically with the Los Angeles Lakers. <clears throat> we talked about it last week, and when I was talking to you last week, to me it was almost a foregone conclusion in a lot of ways that Phil Jackson was going to be the new Laker head coach and Phil was going to bring those 12 rings and all the things that he did and all the great things he's done. He was going to bring them to the Lakers, bring them back to the Lakers. And, you know, Phil knows titles. Phil has won titles. Phil is all about championships, and he's won a lot of them, won a lot of different championships at a lot of different times with a lot of different teams. Phil knows titles. Phil knows championships. Phil knows how to win titles and championships. That's what Phil Jackson knows how to do, and that's what Phil Jackson has done throughout the course of his illustrious NBA career. But you look at it now, and you look at the decision that the Lakers have made. I mean, the Lakers, they made an interesting decision. I mean, you got the sense that, you know, Kobe was lobbying for Phil, 
and you got the sense that it was, you know, it was going to happen. Phil Jackson was going to be the next Lakers head coach. He was going to come back to the bench in a lot of ways, save the day for the Los Angeles Lakers after a debacle with Mike Brown. But we also heard Mike D'Antoni's name there, and we knew that Mike D'Antoni was in the mix. We knew Mike D'Antoni was in the mix to be the next head coach for the Lakers. But you didn't think that was the direction the Lakers were going to go into. Go in. And they called Phil Jackson. Apparently Phil Jackson got a call by Mitch Kupchak midnight, 12 o'clock in the morning, called him and, and told him what the Lakers were going to do. And beforehand, Phil was under the impression that, you know, it was pretty much up to him, his decision. And pretty much he had until Monday to make that decision and was prepared to make that decision on Monday. And apparently before he could make that decision on Monday, Sunday night, 12 o'clock in the morning, Lakers called. Mitch Kupchak called them midnight Sunday and said this. We're going to Mike D'Antoni. We're going to Mike D'Antoni, and Mike D'Antoni has a three-year contract with the Los Angeles Lakers, and we feel Mike D'Antoni is best suited for the personnel that we have at this time on the Los Angeles Lakers. And you wonder, you wonder, you wonder how Steve Nash would have fit into the triangle, how Dwight Howard would have fit in the triangle. You wonder. But Phil Jackson, you had to know he had it all planned out before he came back. This is a guy who plans things out. He plans things out like no other. So you had to know that he had a plan in place. If he was prepared to pretty much coach the Lakers, you knew he knew his personnel. You knew that he knew whether or not this personnel could do what he asked them to do. So you knew Phil was comfortable with the situation. Bottom line is this, the Lakers organization, Jim Buss, Jerry Buss, Mitch Kupchak, those guys chose to go in a different direction. Those guys felt and believed that, you know what, Mike D'Antoni is the best guy for this uh, situation, the best guy for this team. And I looked at Mike D'Antoni, and what I see of Mike D'Antoni, obviously excitement. His team score a lot of points. His teams are, are very exciting to watch. You look at Mike D'Antoni, you have to look at Steve Nash. Steve Nash had his most success with Mike D'Antoni. Those those two those two uh, uh, MVPs were a byproduct of Steve Nash playing in Mike D'Antoni's system. So Steve Nash benefited from Mike D'Antoni and vice versa. And now... We looked at Mike Tantoni in his last stop in New York. We saw what he did in New York. I mean, they got to the playoffs. They were exciting. They scored a lot of points, but they didn't defend anybody. They didn't defend anybody. The Suns the same way. They didn't defend anybody. And the reality is, the reality is, if you can't defend in the NBA, you can't win in the NBA. That's the bottom line. You don't defend, you don't win. You don't defend you don't win in the NBA. And the reality is the Lakers now have decided that Mike Brown is the right guy for their team. You know they're going to score a lot of points, these Laker teams. And and in Mike Brown's defense, maybe he hasn't had the type of defenders that he's going to have with the Lakers. And now I look at this Laker team, they're giving up a lot of points right now, and this is a team that, to me, looks kind of slow. It looks kind of slow. But at the same time, 
maybe now, with a different coach, with with a coach that everybody is seemingly comfortable with, Kobe Bryant idolized Mike D'Antoni in Italy. Mike D'Antoni was a was a big time basketball player in Italy. Kobe Bryant idolized him. Kobe Bryant loved him. And Mike D'Antoni did some coaching on the U.S. Olympic team. Steve Nash, you know Steve Nash loves Mike D'Antoni. Steve Nash, again, had his most success as a pro under Mike D'Antoni. So you know Steve Nash loves Mike D'Antoni. And, I, and to be honest with you, any player on the offensive side, any player, you've got to love Mike D'Antoni's system because you're going to put up a lot of points and you're going to get up and down the court. Can the Lakers get up and down the court with the way they're presently constructed? That's a question that has to be asked moving forward. That's a question that has to be asked moving forward. Can, can they, these Lakers, get up and down? Can they play the Mike D'Antoni style of basketball? Yes, they're going to score a lot of points. Let, let's, let's be real. They're going to score a lot of points. Mike D'Antoni, the personnel's there to score a lot of points. The offense that is in position to score a lot of points. So the points are going to be had. The question that we all have to ask, and it has to be answered moving forward, what are the Lakers going to do on a defensive end? What are the Lakers going to do on a defensive end? Are they going to defend the way other Mike D'Antoni teams have defended over the years? Are they going to defend that way? Or are they going to change course a little bit and be a little different? Is he going to be a little different from Mike D'Antoni? Has he learned some of the lessons from the past? Has he learned some of those lessons from the past, the lesson that he learned in New York, the lesson that he learned in Phoenix? His teams score a lot of points, but his teams don't defend. They score a lot of points, but they don't defend. And I've always thought the Lakers were about championships. I always thought the Lakers were about championships. And to me, if you're about championships and you're about winning the chip and, and, and doing big things and, and, and hoisting banners and doing all those great things, to me, the ideal guy to go with is a guy who's wanted like no other in Phil Jackson. That, that would be my thought. That would be my thought process. That, that would be the way I would go. Mike D'Antoni, yes, you're going to win a lot of regular season games. He's done it in Phoenix, won a lot of regular season games. Yes, you may win a couple rounds in the playoffs. He's done it in Phoenix, won a couple rounds in the playoffs, got to the conference finals a couple times. But at the end of the day, are you going to get to that next level? Are you going to get to that level, that point where you're hoisting banners and winning championships? Are you going to get to that level? That's what I'm talking about. And to me, the Lakers, like the Celtics, those type of organizations, they're not about conference finals. They're not about conference semifinals. They're about championships. That's simple. Celtics, Lakers, they've always been about those particular things. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what they're about. That's what they've always been about, winning titles. Winning titles. A couple rounds in the playoffs don't do it for the Lakers and the Celtics. And now the Lakers, with the decision that they made, the decision to go with Mike D'Antoni 
as their head coach. It's an interesting decision. And to me, I, I will say this. If you're not going to go with Phil Jackson, then and I can't really argue with the Mike D'Antoni pickup, the Mike D'Antoni pickup as the coach. I can't argue with it because I think he's probably the next best solution for you. Mike D'Antoni, be as it may, whatever you, how, however you feel about his system, his system has had success. Championship success? No. But it's had success. Had some regular season success and had some playoff success. It's had success. It really has. It's had success. It really has. But it has not had that championship success. And that, to me, that, to me, is why I'm not for this Mike D'Antoni being coach. I would rather have Phil Jackson as the coach. Magic Johnson would agree with me. Magic Johnson, uh, he's totally against this move. Magic Johnson has been ultra critical of this move. He hates the move. He doesn't like the move at all. He does not like the move at all. Magic Johnson does not like the move at all. He doesn't like it. Phil Jackson should be the coach, according to Magic Johnson. And he called out Jim Buss. Called him out. He called him out. He called them, called Jim Buss out. And, and Magic Johnson's the Lakers of all Lakers. He's the Laker of all Lakers. He's one of the better, best Lakers of all time, Magic Johnson. One of the best Lakers of all time. One of the best Lakers of all time. And, and Magic Johnson was on ESPN's NBA Countdown and he said these things. He says he loved Dr. Jerry Buss. But he said he doesn't believe in Jim Buss. In Magic's opinion, he made two critical mistakes already. To me, they made two critical mistakes. And these are the quotes and the words of Magic Johnson. First, hiring Mike Brown. He wasn't the right coach. He's a great coach, but not the right coach for the Lakers. I don't feel Mike D'Antoni is the right coach for the Lakers, especially when you have Phil Jackson sitting out there who wanted to be the Laker coach. Jim Buss decided he didn't want Phil Jackson. He wanted Mike D'Antoni, and that's okay. But why didn't you just say that? But the fans were cheering for Phil Jackson two nights in a row. Wow. And those are the words of Magic Johnson. Harsh criticism for the Lakers and Jim Buss. Harsh criticism for them. Harsh criticism. And like I said, I mean, to me, it's similar to, okay, you got a cute chick sitting out there. She's cute, you know, eight or nine. Cute chick, you know, she she, she does it for you. But you also have an opportunity for a dime piece, a 10, a perfect 10. A perfect 10 is sitting out there for you. To me, the Lakers had a, a, a seven or eight sitting out there and Mike D'Antoni, and a dying piece, a 10, sitting out there, and Phil Jackson. Now, sometimes in life, yes, the 7 or 8 works better than the dying piece, than the 10. But in this particular situation, to me, the best way to go is to go with the dying piece, go with the perfect 10, and Phil Jackson. He's the perfect 10 for this particular situation.
He is the perfect 10 for this particular situation. He is. He is. He was. I mean, it just seemed like the ideal fit for the Lakers. It just seemed like the ideal fit. Phil, in some respect, he could say he had his Shaq and Kobe back, now having Dwight Howard in the mix. But you, some could argue that Andrew Bynum is just as good as Dwight Howard, if not better. I'm not one to say that. I think Dwight Howard is better. And speaking of Andrew Bynum, he could be out to, to January at this point. He had another setback. And as a Philadelphia 76ers fan, that doesn't really sit well with me. That doesn't feel too good for me. I mean, Andrew Bynum was the prize one of the prize acquisitions of the summer, not only in Philadelphia but in the league, he was one of those one of the big times uh, one of the big time acquisitions for a team. Andrew Bynum, he was a he was supposed to and he brought a lot of excitement and buzz to Philadelphia. That signing, that trade, I should say, for Andrew Bynum brought a lot of buzz and excitement for the Philadelphia 76ers. Fans were so excited. Fans were, were celebrating. You remember the press conference when they brought in Andrew Bynum. Fans were so excited about it. And now Andrew Bynum, he may not be back until January. But the bottom line is this. Andrew Bynum has always been a guy who's had injury problems. I know last year he played most of the season. But throughout the course of his career, he's been injury prone. That's what you've gotten from Andrew Bynum. You've got a lot of promise. You've got a lot of ability. You've got a guy who did a lot of great things. But you also got a guy and had a guy who missed a lot of time. And I know I was on the Lakers, but I got diverted a little bit talking about Andrew Bynum. But he had a setback. And now the reality is he says he'll be back in mid-January. He's looking at mid-January to get back on the court. And as a Sixers fan, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not angry about that. Let's just get him back on the court so ultimately we can have Andrew Bynum for the playoffs. Because that's when he's going to really pay dividends in the playoffs. That's when he's really that's when he's really going to pay dividends in the playoffs. So we'll see. We'll see if Andrew Bynum is going to get himself back on the court. You know, he, he's final year of his deal, so he gets a free agent at the end of the year. So you know, he wants that big deal, that big money contract. Is somebody willing? Is somebody going to be willing to give Andrew Bynum? Big-time dollars. Is somebody going to be willing to give Andrew Bynum big-time dollars? And I said this before, and I said it again about this deal. If Andrew Bynum does not play a game at all for the Philadelphia 76ers, this still was a great trade. I know you you gave away Andre Iguodala, an all-star, and Andre Iguodala, but the Sixers were the Sixers, and that was a team that really was – at its max last year. They, they they were at their ceiling. And the reality is they probably would not have gotten to the second round of the playoffs if not for Derrick Rose tearing his ACL. I mean, it is what it is. Life is life. But the reality of that is the Sixers would not have gotten to the conference semifinals if it was not for Derrick Rose going down. But it is what it is. But I, I look at it and I say this. This team maxed out. The Sixers maxed out with Andre Iguodala. So you had an opportunity to get an Andrew Bynum. You had to go after it. Hopefully for the Sixers, Andrew Bynum will get himself right. Hopefully for the Sixers, Andrew Bynum will get himself healthy and back on the court 
and ready to go. And hopefully he can stay healthy. Because, again, over the years, Andrew Bynum has had issues staying healthy. He's had issues staying healthy. And I know a lot of people are also talking about his hair. Interesting hair. I mean, it's 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 very interesting. He's just doing his own little thing with his hair and having a good old time. And to be honest with you, as, as a man who's bald, lost his hair, it can no longer grow an afro. I'm jealous. I mean, you can talk about his hair all you want. You, you can say it looks like well, you don't know what's going on, just looks awful. And it does not look good, let's be honest. The hair does not look good. But the reality is he has it. And as a guy who was bald, as a guy who, who would love to have hair, I mean, I would, I, I would love to have hair. I wouldn't die to have hair, but I would love to have some hair. I'm jealous of Andrew Bynum. I may not like his hair, but I'm jealous that he has hair because I don't have it. So, yes, his hair looks awful. Yes, it looks a hot mess. Yes, his hair looks like hot garbage. Yes, his hair looks all those things. You're wondering, what the heck is he doing? What are you doing with your hair, young man? What are you doing with your hair? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm jealous because I don't have Andrew Bynum hair. I don't have hair, period. Each and every week, I am resigned to going into the shower, taking my razor, taking uh, the shaving cream, rubbing it it on my head, and shaving my hair each and every week. That's what I got to do. That's my life. I miss going to a barbershop. I miss uh, being able to get a, a, a sharp outline on my hair. I miss all those things. So you can talk about Andrew Bynum's hair all you want. I'm jealous. I'm just, I'm flat out jealous of Andrew Bynum and his hair. I'm jealous of his hair. Jealous, absolutely positively jealous of Andrew Bynum's long, beautiful hair. I'm jealous. I'm flat out jealous. I'm putting it out there. I'm jealous of his hair. And I don't care if it looks a hot mess. I'm jealous. I wish I could have that afro. I wish I could have Andrew Bynum's afro. I don't, who cares if it's a hot mess? At least it's hair. At least it's hair. I would die. And I'd not die, not die, not die. But I would love to have Andrew, Andrew Bynum's hair. And I would love to have his salary. $16 million this year. And he hasn't played one game. $16 million and has not played one game just yet. And look at his numbers in 2011. Look at his numbers a year ago. 2011-2012 season. His numbers were incredible. His numbers were great. 18-11 and 11 for Andrew Bynum a year ago. His numbers were, were big-time numbers. That's dominant center-type numbers. And he put them up 18-11. and 18-11. I would love to have that. I would love it. I would love to have his $16 million, and I would love, more importantly, to have his hair. I would love to have Andrew Bynum hair. Maybe not in the same type of hairstyle, but I would love to have Andrew Bynum's hair and his paycheck. But that's about it. That's about it. But more importantly, as a Sixers fan, let's get this dude on the court. Let's get this guy on the court. Let's get Andrew Bynum on 
the court right now. Get him on the court. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to rush him. I'm not going to rush him. I'm not going to rush this guy because I want him 100% ready when the playoffs get underway. I want him 100% ready when the playoffs begin. I want him ready when the playoffs begin. I want him ready when the playoffs begin. I want him ready. So as far as I'm concerned, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, January's fine with me. I'll live with January. I'll live with February. Heck, I'll live with March. As long as we're in a playoff race, and I think this team is good enough without Bynum to get that seventh or eighth seed. I think they're good enough without Bynum to get at least that. I think they're good enough to get get at least that. But in terms of where a lot of people thought this team would be, third, fourth, second seed, a lot of people thought the Sixers were legitimate Eastern Conference contenders with the addition of Andrew Bynum. And I think they are, if we can get Andrew Bynum on the court. If you can get Andrew Bynum on the court. And that's the big thing, getting him on the court and keeping him on the court. That's been his issue throughout the course of his career, getting him on, keeping him on the court, keeping him on the court. Each and every year with Bynum, he's had issues staying healthy. Had issues staying healthy. So... You want this guy now to be 100% when he needs to be 100%, and that is springtime, and that is in the playoffs, and that is hopefully, speaking for myself now, hopefully that is when this team is finally making a nice little run to the NBA Finals. Can they get to the NBA Finals even with Bynum, with the Miami Heat? there in the Eastern Conference. I guess you can start talking New York Knicks talk right now. I mean, they lost last night, but they're 5-1, and one, including an impressive performance and an impressive victory in San Antonio. So the Knicks are a team that you have to start talking about in the Eastern Conference. They've, they've had an impressive performance against Miami, blew the Miami Heat out, blew them out, blew the Heat out first game of the season, blew them out. And this is a team right now that's getting some big-time play, obviously out of Melo, and all those people who, and I'm one of them, who talked about Jeremy Lin and how much the Knicks, the Knicks would miss Jeremy Lin. I think it's becoming very evident and very obvious that they don't miss Jeremy Lin. Raymond Felton has stepped in there after seven games, 16 points a game, to go along with six assists. And how about J.R. Smith, a cat who – Talked about last year how much he didn't, you know, he really didn't take his job seriously. A cat who talked about how he was pretty much in the streets all the time. He got caught, according to J.R. Smith, he got caught up in that New York City party life, that New York City club life, that New York City nightlife. And and I don't think he'd be the first to get caught up in the New York City nightlife. I mean, let's be real. The New York City nightlife is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful scene. It's a lot of beautiful people in New York City. I mean, he's a guy. He's got some money in his pocket. Decent-looking brother. 
you know, obviously he's in shape. So, you know, he's probably going to have a much better time than I would have in New York City. And I would say I had a fairly good time in New York City. So he probably would have a better, much better time than I would because of what he brings to the table. But anyway, J.R. Smith has gotten serious, according to J.R., about basketball, about being a professional, about his practice habits, about all those things. And it's showing on the court. 16 points a game after seven games. Second leading scorer for the Knicks. He's getting it done. And he's lighting it up from downtown. Lighting it up from downtown J.R. Smith. He's getting it done. He's flat out getting it done at this point in the season for the New York Knicks. Getting it done. Lighting it up from downtown. Lighting it up. Lighting it up. Stroking it. 63% from downtown. 63% from behind New York for J.R. Smith. That's getting it done, folks. That's getting it done. 63% from downtown, J.R. Smith. Getting it done, man. He's really getting it done. And the Knicks as a whole. And, again, I was one of these guys who said, you know what? And and, I'll, and, and let me clarify some things. Yes, I thought the Knicks should have kept Jeremy Lin. But I was more so talking in terms of what he does outside the basketball court. What he brings not from what he brings on the court, but from a marketing standpoint. And, yes, you, you look at it, Raymond Felton is probably the more talented player at this time. But Jeremy Lin can get better. I think we've seen the best out of Raymond Felton. And it's not bad at all. But in terms of Jeremy Lin, it could get better. It could get better. And I, and I was thinking from that standpoint, I was thinking also from the marketing standpoint. But also, you've you got to look at it this way. If the Knicks are winning, then the people are going to flock and people are going to be excited. It's New York City, folks. So we all know people are going to be excited, people are going to flock, and people are going to come out there and people are going to talk, and there's going to be a buzz about the New York Knicks. That's what you get with the Knicks. If the Knicks are good, it's good for the NBA. When the Knicks, It's good for the NBA to have teams like Philadelphia. New York, Boston. It's good when those teams are good. It's good. It's definitely good when those teams are good. It's definitely good when those teams are good. And those teams are good right now. Fairly good. I mean, Boston's fairly good. Uh, You know, Boston's good. Boston's a good team, a championship contender as far as I'm concerned. The Knicks, they're showing at this point that they are possibly a championship contending team. And, and, you know, obviously the Sixers with Andrew Bynum, if Andrew Bynum can get him on the court, you have something there as well on Philadelphia. So those three big cities on the East Coast, Philly, New York, and Boston, it's good. The the basketball teams are fairly competitive. That's good. That's good for the NBA. It's good. Life is good. Life is good. But anyway, Raymond Felton, at this point, and you look at Jeremy Lin's numbers, Felton's numbers are better. Jeremy Lin, 10 points a game, six assists. I mean, Felton's numbers are better. They are better. They are better. And, again, I was one of these guys who thought the Knicks would miss Jeremy Lin. Uh, I mean, obviously from the marketing standpoint, I know they would. My thought is they would miss him. But 
I just think in his ceiling, I think Jeremy Lin in his ceiling, I'm thinking he could be a, a decent point guard in this league. But, again, it's, I think it's very evident, evident and obvious at this point that probably Raymond Felton is the better guard and moving forward probably will end up being a better guard in terms of career. So, all in all, did the Knicks make the right choice? Probably so. Probably so. I mean, you can't pay Jeremy Lin all that money in that third year. You just can't do it. You can't do it. $14 million, I believe, in that third year. Balloons to $14 million in that third year. You can't do it And from a money and a financial standpoint. They couldn't. They felt like they couldn't do it. I and mean, you are the Knicks. I mean, you you're making a lot of money. You are making a lot of money. Dolan making a lot of money. But the reality is, you can't. You know, at the same time, you can't pay everybody. And I mean, the Rockets took a chance, and your Rockets. You, that's a chance you had to take. That's a move that you had to make on some level. You had to make uh, that type of move. And and they've had success with with Asian players. Obviously, Houston with Yao Ming and the buzz that Yao Ming brought to the Houston Rockets. Now, we're not seeing that same type of buzz in terms of Lynn and also it could have been being that Jeremy Lynn was in New York when he was doing all these great things. That helped, too. That helped Lynn Sanity. Where he did it, that helped. That helped a lot. That helped Lynn Sanity. That helped, it, that helped, it, that helped Lynn Sanity grow. And it was insane. It was Lynn Sanity. But anyway, the Knicks right now, they're off to a good start. The Knicks are playing some big-time basketball right now, and including an impressive performance against San Antonio. Probably their most impressive performance because it was on the road in San Antonio. In San Antonio. To me, that made it even more so impressive. And, yes, they beat the world champion Heat, but they beat the world champion Heat at home, not on the road. <clears throat> You also look around the league, and how about the Memphis Grizzlies in a week that they had? They had a big-time week in Memphis. Yes, they beat the undefeated Knicks, who were undefeated coming into that game last night. Big time. Big time. That's big time. That's a big-time victory for that ball club. And, oh, by the way, they beat OKC this week in OKC, in Oklahoma City. They beat the, uh, the Thunder. They beat them. So that's an impressive road performance. And, oh, by the way, they beat the Miami Heat. They beat the Miami Heat. So they beat the world champion Heat. They beat the runner-up in Oklahoma City. And they beat the undefeated New York Knicks all in one week. So they got up for those games. That's impressive. That's big, man. And this Grizzly team, look out for them. That front line's impressive. Gasol, Randolph, and Rudy Gay, and especially Gasol and Randolph. I mean, uh, Mark Gasol is a top five center in this league. You could argue Dwight Howard, probably, obviously, in my mind, number one, Bynum, two, and probably number three is Mark Gasol. Mark Gasol is probably the third best center in the game. Probably the third best center in the game is Marc Gasol. Probably better than Brooke Lopez in Brooklyn. Bogut's been out for a while in Golden State. So 
I think he is the the third best center in basketball. Marcus Saul, I think, is the third best center in basketball. He's a very good center. And yes, you could argue there's not a lot of centers in this league anymore. A lot of good centers in this league anymore, I should say. Really, you could argue a lot of true centers in this league anymore. I mean, and uh, you look at the NBA now and what it did in terms of the center position. You look at it on the all-star ballot, so you look at it, not a lot of true center in this, centers in this league, but Marcus All at this point, 15-7 and seven after eight games, Marcus All is a very good big man, the third best center in basketball. I'll give you Dwight Howard. I'll give you Bynum. But after that, I'm going with Marcus All. I'm going with Marcus All after that. I mean, last year, 14 and 9. 14 and 9 last year for Marcus All. He is a very good center. Better than Roy Hibbert. I'd rather have Gasol. I'd rather have Marcus All than Roy Hibbert. Rather have Marcus All than Tyson Chandler. Rather have Marcus All than Brooke Lopez. I mean, Marcus All is one of the better centers in this game. One of the better centers in this game. And we, we need to start recognizing Marcus All and some of the things that he's doing. The Memphis Grizzlies as a whole. I mean, after this type of week, I mean, uh, yes, it's only eight games into the season, but this was a this is a tough week. This was a tough week. This is not the type of weeks where you go three and oh you're you're a team. Going up against the Heat, then going 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 to Oklahoma City and beating the Thunder. And then coming back and then beating the undefeated Knicks. All in one week. That's impressive, man. You're beating the Western Conference representative in the finals a year ago. You're beating the world champions in the Miami Heat. And you're beating the undefeated Knicks, who are undefeated going into that particular game. But after going up against the Memphis Grizzlies, are now not undefeated. So, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you got to watch out for those Grizzlies now. Clippers. We talked about the Clippers. Again, this is a team. Watch out for this ball club. Playing some big-time basketball right now. Everything seems to be coming together for the Clippers. Really does. Really does. Really does. This Clipper team is impressive. And my man, my boy, Jamal Crawford. I love Jamal Crawford. Love Jamal Crawford. Love the role that he is playing for the for the LA Clippers right now. Love it. Love it. Love Jamal Crawford and the role that he's playing for the Memphis Grizzlies right now. Not the Memphis Grizzlies, the LA Clippers right now. He's getting it done. He's getting it done for the Clippers. And he's one of the big reasons. That the Clippers are six and two. He is one of the big reasons that the Clippers are six and two. Yeah, we know what Chris Paul and, and, and Blake Griffin and all those guys. They, you know, those guys are going to grab the headlines. But at the end of the day, we look at the stat sheet. Who's the leading scorer for the Los Angeles Clippers after eight games? It would be Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford is is the leading scorer for the Los Angeles Clippers. 
after eight games. It's probably going to stay like that. Probably going to stay like that. And I'm looking at this Clipper team, and we talked about the depth that they have. Lamar Odom, is is he done? Is Lamar Odom done? I mean, he's playing all eight games, but he's only averaging a little over 11 minutes a game, 11.6 minutes a game, close to 12 minutes a game for Lamar Odom. That's it. You probably expected a bigger impact out of Lamar Odom, but you wonder if Lamar Odom is done. Averaging only one point a game, two re- one point a game and two rebounds a game. That's it for Lamar Odom. Now, granted, he's not getting the minutes, but it's probably a reason he's not getting the minutes. Probably a reason he's not getting the minutes. I mean, Matt Barnes is getting some minutes, 24 minutes a game. That's probably taking some minutes away from Lamar Odom. I don't know. Have we seen the best of Lamar Odom? I mean, after he won that six-man-a-year award with the Lakers, he hasn't been the same. Have we seen the best of Lamar Odom? Is, Is Lamar Odom done at this point? Is he done? Is he done? Do a lot of things, Lamar Odom. Multi-talented player. Multi-dimensional player. Can do a lot of great things. After that 2010-2011 season where he was a six-man a year for the Los Angeles Lakers, Lamar Odom, obviously we know what happened in Dallas. Um, obviously he didn't want to be in Dallas. Just wasn't a great fit for him Mentally. Mentally, it wasn't a good fit for him. Obviously, you thought he had the skill set, but in terms of his mental, his mental was just not there in Dallas last year. It just wasn't. But we'll see. We'll see moving forward. But a lot of various storylines in the NBA moving forward, and it's going to be an exciting, exciting season, and I'm looking forward to talking about it throughout the course of this year. I'm going to switch gears now to the NFL, and I'm going to go to Tim Tebow. The New York Jets, Tim Tebow. The Tim Tebow that his teammates have called out on some level. And let's, let's look at it according to an article in the Daily News. Some unnamed teammates have come out against Tim Tebow. One player was said. One player said that, and the question was, does Tim Tebow deserve to start? One of the players said, "Hell no! You got to keep the defense honest. You just can't line up in the wildcat all the time. That won't work." Another teammate said, "We can't win running that." And you know the rest. You know the rest. You know the rest. And so they're coming out against Tebow. His teammates don't believe in him. His teammates don't believe in him. How about Matt Slauson? And whether or not he believes that Mark Sanchez is the best fit for the the, the New York Jets. Slauson was, uh, was quoted as saying, it's not even close. All the other quarterbacks know it. I have confidence in Mark. We really don't have a choice. Lawson was also asked about the two backups, Tebow and Greg McElroy, and he went on to say, we have Greg and we have an athlete. Wow. 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 So you're, you're, you're not even calling a man a quarterback. 
you're, you're just calling him an athlete. He, he's nothing more than, a, than an athlete. He's not even a quarterback. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. And let's be real. I, I, it, it, see, the thing with Tim Tebow, and let's look at it now. Tim Tebow came into the Denver Broncos situation. The team was left for dead. They were left for dead. One and four. The Broncos pretty much were in the Andrew Luck sweepstakes until Tim, Tim Tebow stepped on the field. And he stepped on the field, and guess what? The defense turned, got better. The defense got better. And it just was magic. It was magical. It, it just seemed unreal, some of the things that were going on. It seemed divine, some of the things that were going on with Tim Tebow. Absolutely crazy, some of the things that we saw with Tim Tebow and the Denver Broncos, some of the crazy things that were happening. Marion Barber, again, last year against the Bears. Marion Barber didn't step out of bounds. He stepped out of bounds accidentally, and him stepping out of bounds pretty much cost the Bears that game. As we know, the Bears got the, the uh, Broncos got the ball back. Their kicker hit a big-time long field goal. Broncos took it into overtime, won the game. They were getting blown out against the Dolphins. Tim Tebow worked his magic late in the game, had an onside kick, recovered it. Ultimately, the Broncos will win that game. We just saw all these different magical things happen. And ultimately, he got them to the playoffs. They won the division, and they got to the playoffs. It did help that he was not in a very good division last year, the AFC West. That helped. That helped Tim Tebow. There's no doubt about it. It helped that he was in the AFC West. That helped him. I don't think anybody can argue that. They kind of backed into the playoffs, the different Broncos. Not kind of. They backed into the playoffs a year ago. They backed in. Let's be real. They backed into the playoffs a year ago. Backed in. They won a division at 8-8. Eight eight. Won a division at 8-8 eight and, eight and ended the season on a three-game losing streak. And we figured at that point they drew the mighty Steelers and you knew and figured at that point it was pretty much done for the Broncos. Oh, no. Tim Tebow. It was divine. It was magical. Out of nowhere, Tim Tebow threw for 316 yards. Oh, by the way, 316. John, 316. Get it? I mean, it's amazing. It was magical. It was divine. It was just crazy how some of the things changed for the Denver Broncos the moment Tim Tebow stepped in. Yes, he has his issues. 46% completion percentage. That's an issue. That's an issue. He's not the greatest thrower in the world. He can be inaccurate at times, very inaccurate at times, as the 46% completion percentage would tell you. He can be all those things. But as far as I'm concerned, I look at the Jets and, and I see what's going on. They're just on the way. They're just The season is pretty much lost at this point for the Jets. I mean, they're three and six. There's really not much hope there. Uh, Mark Sanchez really does not have any weapons on the offensive side of football. Their best wide receiver, San Antonio Holmes, is gone for the year. Probably, one of their, probably their best offensive player, San Antonio Holmes. He's done, gone for the year. Jets are three and six. Not getting good play out of Mark Sanchez. He hasn't been that good. But at the same time, look what he has to work with. He doesn't have much to work with. Uh, I'm going to give I'm going to give him that. He does not have much to work with. He does not. 
He doesn't. But it has not been good for Mark Sanchez throughout the course of this year. Overall, is Tim Tebow, I mean, is Mark Sanchez the better quarterback than Tim Tebow? Yes, probably. But I would say this. The way the Jets are right now, three and six, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really see anything that can change in New York, especially with Mark Sanchez as the as the quarterback. And so as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not sure how much it would change with Tim Tebow as the quarterback, to be honest with you. I, I don't know how much it could change. But I will say this. I will say this. This is what I will say about it. I think Tim Tebow would be the type of guy who could do more with less. And the being that the Jets are so depleted in terms of weapons on the offensive side of football, to me, it would. To me, I, I think it's time. It's Tebow time. I think it's Tebow time. Yes, I mean it may sound like a contradiction. I do believe Mark Sanchez is the better quarterback. I really do. I do believe Mark Sanchez is the better quarterback. But, but, with that being said. I think it's Tebow time. I think it's Tebow time. I think he does give him the best opportunity to win, Mark Sanchez, but he hasn't been winning, and I don't see him winning. And I think Tebow could come in there, you know, do some things with his feet, and, you know, do some things with his arm. I mean, he wasn't awful. I mean, he wasn't great with his arm, let's be honest. And his completion percentage would tell you that. But he wasn't. God awful. It wasn't God awful. And he did lead his team to some comeback victories a year ago. And he did get a playoff victory. Say what you will about Tim Tebow, but last I checked, Tony Romo and Tim Tony Romo and Tim Tebow have the same amount of playoff wins. Tony Romo and Tim Tebow have the same amount of playoff wins. Now I'm not saying Tim Tebow is as good as is as good as Tony Romo. He's not. He's not. He's just not. And I'm not even sure. It, well, I was going to say I'm not sure if he's truly an NFL caliber quarterback. But I have to say this: he did win a playoff game. He did get his team to the playoffs. He did get his team to the playoffs. It did help that he was in a bad division. That helped because he backed in three-game losing streak to end the, end the year. But at, at the same time, he went against the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers, the number one defense of football at the time, and put up 316 yards. Now, you could argue, granted, by the time that game was over, that wasn't the number one rated defense, because Ryan Clark, first of all, didn't play. He can't play in Denver because of his sickle cell. But Casey Hampton went down. They had a few other – they had some guys that went down, and – in that particular game on the defensive side of football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it wasn't the same defense. It wasn't, I guess you could argue at the end of the day, yes, coming into the game, they were the number one rated defense. But with all the injuries and everything, that was you could argue that that wasn't the number one defense he was playing by game end. But, 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 Tim Tebow, Tim Debo, say what you will about the guy. Say what you will about this guy. Last year, 
he got his team to the playoffs. And last year, he won a playoff game. Again, do I think Mark Sanchez is a better quarterback? Yes, I do. But with the way the Jets, how depleted this team is, to me, Tebow probably gives you your best opportunity to win. And I mentioned that three-game losing streak to end the year for the Broncos. Let's look at Tebow's numbers in those three games. 11 for 22, 194 yards against the New England Patriots in a loss. 13 for 29 against the Buffalo Bills, 185 yards, three interceptions in a loss. 7 to 3. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs and in that game, and this was the final game of the year, and this was a game that they seemingly needed to, to get into the playoffs. Ultimately, the Raiders will lose, and the Raiders will help them out, and Tim Tebow and the Broncos were able to back in to the playoffs. But in the game that they needed, Tim Tebow was only 6 for 22 for 60 yards and one interception. I think, you know, overall, you know, I think it is not – because of something something that he wanted or asked for, we are fairly hard on Tim Tebow. Um, it's not because of him. I think it's because of the mania. It's because of the fan base, the fans that flock to this guy, and all the things that that comes with Tim Tebow. I know he was I, I know he was a uh, number one on the overrated list, voted on by NFL players. But to me, it wasn't. He wasn't. He's not overrated. He's overhyped. And there is a difference. Uh, he's overhyped. And, you know, it's probably the religious thing. And it's also probably some of the, you know, the guy seems like a very good guy. He does seem like a good dude overall. Does seem like a good dude. Does seem like the type of dude. Like, you know what? If my daughter was in the business for looking, in the business of looking for a husband, he probably would be one of the guys on the surface, because I don't know him, but on the surface, he probably would be one of the guys that I would say, you know what, yeah, I'm comfortable with this. I, I would love for you to, to take uh, my daughter down the aisle and marry her. I would love to for me to take my daughter to you down the aisle. I, I would love for that to happen. He seems like that type of guy. He, he does seem like that type of guy, but, again, I don't know him. I don't know him. I know what I see. I see his image. Is that image real? Who knows? Who knows? It seems real, but who knows? Who knows? But at the end of the day, Tim Tebow, to me, and and maybe one of the reasons why he's not getting a shot, it could be because his teammates really don't believe in him, and Rex Ryan knows that his teammates really don't believe in him. And, And to me, this... The signing of Tim Tebow and his whole Wildcat offense, or the trade for Tim Tebow, I should say, in a Wildcat offense and all this other stuff, I just look at it and I say, you know what, we've seen the Wildcat offense. We've seen the best of it when Miami ran it. But has anybody other than Miami really had success with the Wildcat offense? No, not really. And no one has really had, other than Miami, with Tony Sperano and Ronnie Brown and those boys, other than that, no one has had success with the Wildcat offense. I haven't seen anybody have success with Wildcat offense other than the Miami Dolphins, really, over a long period of time. You look at the Eagles with Michael Vick, and they, they were working him back in, and he was doing the Wildcat. There wasn't a lot of positive plays out of that Wildcat offense. There was nothing that you, you can say, wow, this offense can work. This offense will trick people. 
the defense have caught up to the the defenses in this league have caught up to the Wildcat offense. They have caught up to this offense. They've caught up to it. They've have they've caught up to this offense. So to me, what are you going to put him on uh, special teams? And we saw that one one game with the block punt, where he was involved in that, and apparently he may have missed a block in that particular situation. So. Uh, is Tim Tebow going to scare anybody on special teams, really? No, he's not. He's not. He's not scaring you on special teams. He, he's not really making any type of big contribution on special teams, as far as I'm concerned. To me, it just, the move really did not make sense. You had a quarterback in Mark Sanchez. Yes, you extended him. You gave him the money. But at the same time, with Mark Sanchez, he, he was on, you got the sense that it was a, a fragile situation with him, and he had, he had a fragile mindset at that at some point last year, and you wanted to kind of build him up, and I don't think bringing in Tebow built him up, and I think the extension that they gave him was to build him up, and so with the belief that they can build him up and that he can be ultimately successful, the thought that he could ultimately be successful. In this league. That was the thought. That was the thought with Tim Tebow. That was the thought. No, excuse me, Mark Sanchez. But obviously, it didn't work out. Obviously, it didn't work out. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. For Mark Sanchez. It did it did. It did. It, it just did. And to me, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, the Jets, they need to go. It needs to be Tebow time. It needs to be Tebow time. It needs to be Tebow time. I'm calling, yelling, screaming for Tebow time. Tebow time. Tebow time. It needs to be Tebow time. Tebow time in New York. It's time for Tim Tebow, everybody. I'm sounding the alarm. Yes, Mark Sanchez is a better quarterback as far as I'm concerned. But Tim Tebow, I think, in this particular situation, the Jets have no weapons. Tim Tebow, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, can do more with less than Mark Sanchez because of his running ability. Sanchez is the better passer, but he's not a much better passer. Sanchez is a better quarterback, but he's not a much better quarterback. At the end of the day, the Jets are 3-6. and six. At the end of the day, the Jets have been sorry these last few weeks. At the end of the day, there is no talent, really. There's not too much talent on the offensive side of football for the New York Jets. So at the end of the day, in my mind, the best direction to go if you're the New York Jets, it's time to go to Tim Tebow. It's time for Tebow time in New York. It's time for Tebow time in New York. And, heck, you stink anyway. 
and you might, so you might as well get some attention while you're at it. Get some attention because you're three and six, and you're on the verge of not making the playoffs. And you wonder, can Rex Ryan survive after this? That should be interesting when season's end. You're listening to Go For It on blogtalkradio.com, and the second hour of Go For It starts right now. And in this hour, we're expected to be joined by actress and one of the stars of BET's Let's Stay Together, Joyful Drake. And Joyful's a big-time Green Bay Packers fan and a big-time Milwaukee Bucks fan, as she was a dancer for the Milwaukee Bucks for a couple of years. But she's doing big things on Let's Stay Together on BET, getting big-time numbers, big-time rating numbers for BET. And so we're going to talk to her and talk about her Packers, talk about her Bucks. And talk about Let's Stay Together and some of the great things that is going on with Let's Let's Stay Together. I mean, it's a big-time show on BET, getting big-time ratings right now for cable. And, and so we're going to talk to her about some of the things that she has going on with that show, outside of that show, and also with her Green Bay Packers and Milwaukee Bucks. We're also in this hour we're going to be joined by Willie Rofe. We were expected to be joined by Willie in the first hour. Few things happen, so we're going to get him in that in the second hour. In this hour, I should say, we're going to have Willie Rose. So make sure you stick around for him as well. So Joyful Drake, we're going to have her. She's going to be up in the next few minutes, and also Willie Rose will be joining us in this second hour. As the second hour, go for it. Starts right now. I want to move to baseball now, and the Florida, excuse me, Miami Marlins. Let me get it right. They were the Florida Marlins for many years, but they are now the Miami Marlins. And they're fire sale. I mean, they, they traded uh, some big salaries and some big members of their ball club. Jose Reyes, Josh Johnson, Mark Burley. I mean, uh, these are some big guys. They sent a hundred some odd million dollars of salary to the Blue Jays. And this was a team, you know, they they got the big stadium, the big stadium in Miami. They also got, the, you got the stadium, you, you got the money coming from that. And and this was a publicly, mostly publicly funded stadium. And I've always had issues with these publicly funded stadiums. You know, these are, it's, it's you know, millionaire welfare. I mean, we're billionaire welfare. I mean, this is. You know, we're 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 giving the the guys with the top one percent, the big time guys with the big time money. We're giving them handouts, and we're complaining. And it's, I'm going to go social here. We're complaining about, uh, you know, people on welfare and whatnot. But let's be real. I mean, this is corporate welfare, and this is you know, this is millions upon millions of dollars we're giving to people. And we're complaining about the thousands of dollars that we're giving to a, to a wealth a welfare recipient. I mean, let, let's be real about some things now. I mean, we're complaining about that. That's what we're complaining about. We're having problems with people, you know, food stamps and welfare and things of that nature. You know what? It is what it is. If you need it, go get the support. You know what I mean? That's the way I feel about it. And I know this is not usually the forum for for that particular topic, but it is what it is. I'm going there. 
I'm going there. I'm headed there, and I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to stay here right now. As far as I'm concerned, we're complaining about individuals getting thousands of dollars a year for welfare, and we see some of these owners getting millions and millions of dollars of publicly funded money. Public money. This is your money that you put in when you pay taxes. This is your money going to stadiums, funding the rich. So uh, the next time I I hear people complain uh, about welfare recipients and and people on food stamps and people receiving government assistance, these people are poor. These people out here are poor and, and struggling. And, you know, so we're complaining about that. Get out of here. Get out of here. But let's go back to to the situation with the Marlins. I mean, yes, you know, they are what they are at this point. I mean, and the Marlins, this is a team that's done this type of thing before, obviously with different ownership, but they've done these type of things in terms of building. The Marlins have two championships. I mean, the Florida Marlins have two championships. You can't get a buzz for that particular ball club. You can't get a buzz for that team. I mean, they're struggling to get a buzz for that ball club. And they won two championships, this ball club. I mean, could you imagine if the Cubs, a, a team that hasn't won, uh, who's, who's having a, a hard time winning a title, you imagine if they had two titles? I mean, and I got to go to the fan base in Miami. I mean, you watch a Heat game and, and you're saying to yourself, look at these empty seats and, you know, this is a team, a, a world title team. Look at the Marlins. Even when they were successful in 97, in 2003, where there was no buzz from the, the Marlins in Miami. None. None. I'm calling out the Miami sports fan. I'm calling them out now. You know what I mean? I, I know you got South Beach down there, and you, you got some things going on. You got a lot of attractions down there, and, and so maybe you're not interested in going to the game. I get that. I understand that. And uh, maybe I'm not sure I would argue with you on that, but at the same time, you know what? you got a winner with your Heat. You have a, you, you've had a winner with your Marlins, and you're not really supporting them. And you look at the Marlins this year, I mean, you bring in Ozzie Guillen, Mark Burley, Jose Reyes, Heath Bell. You bring in a few guys this year, and you figure this Marlins team were going, was going to be successful. They're opening up the new stadium. You know, you, you expected a big-time buzz with this ball club. And then Ozzie made his comments about Castro. And then this team just this team was just falling apart. This team just was not good, and he ended up in last place. Ozzie's gone now. they got a new manager, Mike Redmond. So, and now, you look at it now, they moved all the salary. If you're anybody, and there's reports now that they gave, they didn't give them an actual no-trade clause in their contracts, but they gave them a verbal report, so they gave a verbal no-trade clause to Burley and Jose Reyes. So now if you're a player and you're hearing that, and granted players like money, they're going to go for the money, but if you're hearing that, would you want to play in Miami? Would you want to play in Miami under that ownership, Jeffrey Loria? Would you want to play there? You probably wouldn't. You probably would not want to play in Miami. And so it should be interesting moving forward what happens with this. But this was obviously an obvious salary dumping. Yes, the Marlins stunk last year. They were, they were uh, you know, last place in the National League East. They were a bad baseball team. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, you're struggling to get a buzz in Miami to begin with. And even, you know, even if this was not a salary dump, even in reports are they did get some pretty good prospects in this deal, 
But even if this was not a salary dump, the perception is out there. And as we know in life, the perception might as well be reality because there is no reality. It's only perception. So the perception is out there now. So if you're a, a particular player, free agent, are you going to go to Miami? Are you going to consider Miami after what happened here? If you're, if you're hearing Mark Burley say, you know what, and this is, these are reports Mark Burley says, Burley says you know what, uh, they gave me a verbal no-trade clause, so I thought I was good. I didn't think they would trade me. I wanted to be in Miami. I don't want to go to Toronto. Jose Reyes, a guy who's connected with the fan base out there in Miami in terms of his Latino background, and there are a lot of, lot of Latinos in Miami. So you, you figure he had that connection there. Now he's got to go to Toronto. You think he wants to go to Toronto? It's cold in Toronto. It's cold in Canada. You think that's where he wants to be? Probably not. Probably not. So it is what it is with the Marlins. They are what they are. They won a lot of titles during their short history, two titles, this Marlins ball club. But the thing about it is, you know, with this whole new stadium and everything, new stadium, brand new stadium, brand new beautiful stadium, Cost a lot of money to make that stadium. Cost a lot of money to build it. They cost a lot of taxpayers' money, dollars, to build it as well. So you know, it costs money, a lot of money. So it, you you can complain about you know welfare and and giving welfare to the poor and food stamps and all that stuff to the poor, but let's let's be real, they need it. More often than not, they need it. No one wants to be on welfare, more often than not. No one wants to be poor. No one. So if you're going to get mad at, at welfare recipients and, and things of that nature and say, tell them to get a job and do this and do that and so on and so forth, you need to get mad at this situation too. You need to be mad about this situation. This is publicly funded dollars going to the rich. Publicly funded dollars going to the rich. Corporate welfare. And you're complaining about welfare recipients. You're complaining about that? And this is corporate welfare? Come on. Come on. Come on. Please. I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Just not. But this is the Marlin situation. It's a it's a sad situation. I mean, it's, you know, you got it now where <clears throat> this Marlin team, they spent a lot of money, and I guess I guess that wasn't real. I mean, I guess it was just that one time, you know, just to, you know, you open a new stadium, so maybe it's just to get a buzz, to get somewhat of a buzz. And maybe that's what, that was your goal. But, I mean, it's it is what it is, really. It really is what it is. The Marlins are going to continue to be the Marlins. And while continuing to be the Marlins does mean two world titles. So, you know, it is what it is. It really truly is what it is with the Florida Marlins. Miami Marlins, excuse me. I keep getting that tripped up. The Miami Marlins. doesn't matter. We're not going to be talking about the Marlins much anyway, especially after the salary dump that they just had and. Is anybody really going to want to trust Jeffrey Loria and the Marlins management moving forward? Really, as a player, 
if you're hearing some of these stories of Burley and, uh, and Jose Reyes, would you really want to trust? Would you really trust this management again? Would you really? You probably wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust them, even if it was a move made for baseball reasons. I wouldn't trust them. I wouldn't. I couldn't trust them because the perception is out there. It's out there already. You know what I mean? It's, it's out there already. It's out there about the Marlins. It's out there. So how 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 am I going to trust that this franchise really wants to win? You can't. You won't. You won't. You won't trust it. You can't trust it. It's impossible to trust it. Why would you trust it? Why? Why would you trust it? I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't trust it. I couldn't trust it. I wouldn't want to trust it. Why? Why would I trust it? You can't. Perception is out there. And as I said, as we know, perception is reality. Perception is reality. And so the perception out there in terms of the Florida Marlins is that, you know what, they're not going to spend the money. They're not going to spend the money. And if they do, watch out. Watch out. Watch out. So the Marlins situation at this point looks like a salary dump. Looks like a team that, you know, spent money and gave the perception that they were going to spend money with the hope that they would get a buzz. And the reality is, there is no buzz. There is no buzz. There is no buzz for Florida. No buzz. No buzz right now. People don't people don't care really in Florida, and I don't think they're going to care. Big, brand new, beautiful building, and probably nobody there. No one's going to go to the Marlins games. No one. No one. Sad. Sad situation in Florida. You feel sorry. I I would say I feel sorry for the fan base, but I don't think they really care. So how about I say this? I feel sorry for the taxpayers who put their money up because that is their money. I feel sorry for the taxpayers. I feel sorry for the taxpayers who put their money up. That's who I feel sorry for. Sorry for the taxpayers. I don't feel sorry for the the, uh, ownership. I feel sorry for the taxpayers. I don't feel sorry for the fans because, like I said, I don't think they really care anyway. It's not like they're coming out in droves to see the Marlins. It's not like they're coming out in droves to see the Marlins. They're not. Let's be honest about that. Let's be honest about that. They're they're not coming out to see the Marlins. They're not. They haven't been. Even when the Marlins were good in 97, in 2003, they weren't really coming out to see them. They weren't. They weren't. The fans were not coming out to see them. There wasn't the buzz for the Marlins. And 
after this deal, good luck getting a buzz in Florida. Good luck. Good luck getting a buzz in Miami. Good luck. Good luck with that. Good luck with that because it's becoming now, you look at it, with the whole situation with Florida, Miami, I should say, it's going to be some bad baseball played in Miami. It's going to be some bad baseball played in Miami. Bad baseball playing in Miami. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Again, I could care less about the fans because I care about the fans, but I don't think this fan base really cares about Marlin baseball to begin with. But I feel sorry ultimately for the taxpayers. Feel sorry for the taxpayers who paid a lot of money for this publicly funded stadium. That's who I feel bad for. Anyone else? Nah. No one else. No one else. Because I don't think the fans really care in Miami. I don't really think they care. I really don't. I really don't think they care. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they really care. But it is what it is. It is what it is, folks. And that's just the way it goes. I guess. That's the way it goes, I guess. I want to go back to the NFL now. and Again, we we talked about Tebow and that whole situation. How about the Philadelphia Eagles and what's going on there? It's becoming more and more obvious that this team won't make the playoffs. It's becoming more and more obvious that at this point, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie said to start the year that 8-8 eight eight wasn't good enough. It's becoming more and more obvious that 8-8 eight and eight may be the best that, they, that this team could do. They may not even get to eight wins this year. So it's looking more and more like the Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid, Michael Vick. The Eagles are going to look very looking more and more like the Eagles are going to be a very different team next year. They're going to look so different than they did this season. So different than they did this season. I mean, this was a team that some people believed, including myself, could get and ultimately win a Super Bowl this season. This was the team that we, we thought could do that. This was the team that we thought could do that. It's becoming, well, it's not becoming, it's very obvious that this may not be a playoff team, probably it's not a playoff team, but I will say this. I will say this. In the NFC East, the Eagles are only two games behind the New York Giants. This is a New York Giants team that has not been playing good football at this point. They haven't been playing good football over the past few weeks. They really haven't. And we saw last week against Cincinnati where they got blown out by the Bengals. Week before that, they lost to the New York Giants. Not the New York Giants, I'm sorry. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is a team that, typical, it's November, and it's time for the Giants to swoon. And then coming off their bye, they have Green Bay at home, a Packer team that's been playing some big-time football right now. Four-game winning streak this Green Bay Packer team is on. 
could be five after tomorrow coming into that game. So the NFC East, and I'm not even sure the Eagles, this is so reminds me of last year because if the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles could have gotten it together, they had an opportunity. They had an opportunity. And you could argue that they did get it together at the end of the year when they had the four-game winning streak. But at that point, it was too late. It was too late. They already dug themselves, dug, dug themselves, excuse me, a hole. They were already four and eight, and so it was too late, really. It was too late, and now this is a team, meaning the Eagles, who at this point, with the way they're playing, and with now some could argue now Nick Foles will be the starter tomorrow. And a lot of people in Philadelphia have been calling for Nick Foles throughout the course of this season. Maybe this is the thing that changes the season around. Maybe Nick Foles comes in and, and gets it done. Maybe. He's playing behind a bad offensive line. We all know that. We all know that his offensive line, that the offensive line that he's playing behind is bad. That part we know. That part we know. It's a bad offensive line in Philadelphia. And Nick Foles is not the most mobile guy out there. So I look at it and I say, you know what? I say, you know what? The reality is this. With the way things are going, with the Eagles and and everything, there is an opportunity to still win this division because the Giants have been playing some bad football late. And they have a – their schedule's not the easiest. I mean, you still have New Orleans they have to play, and the Saints have been playing much better football. We know what they did against the Falcons. They still have the Falcons, of course. They still have Baltimore, and they have to go to Washington. They have to go to Washington. And the Redskins was a team that beat them twice last year, and the Redskins was a team that played them very close this year. So the NFC East, at this point, you have to say the Giants are probably the favorite, but it's kind of wide open in, in some respect. Other, I mean, Dallas, you know, it's only a game behind the Giants in the loss column. Um, <clears throat> so they're still there with an opportunity. And so you have the Redskins who, you know, they're 3-6, but they have been playing people tough. So maybe they could turn around. You have the Eagles who – seemingly has a lot of talent, and you would think at some point they could turn around as well. So are the Eagles probably done? Yes, they are probably done. I don't see them really getting to the playoffs at this point. I don't see it, but I don't want to put them to, I'm not going to put them to bed just yet. I'm not going to tuck them in and say you're not making the playoffs just yet. I'm close. I'm close. But I can't say just yet because of the way that the division has been playing as a whole. The Giants have not been playing good football. The Cowboys, they look just as bad as the Eagles did last week. I was not impressed with the Cowboys last week. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. This is a team I think that still has issues. And this is a team that mirrors the Eagles. They really do. So we'll see. We'll see. Be as it may at this point, 
you look at what's happening with, you know, you look at what's happening with the Eagles and the way they've been playing over these past few weeks, you don't really think they have a shot. And they're also going to a rookie quarterback. And, again, a, a rookie quarterback that played well in the preseason. And, I mean, he wasn't awful, but he wasn't obviously great against the Cowboys, Nick Foles. But this is a different situation. You know, he has an opportunity now where he's going to start the whole game instead of coming in midway. Coming in, he came into the sec- he came into the game in the second quarter last week. Now he's going to get a full game, a full game plan. He's going to get a full game with a full game plan. Does it change anything? Does it change anything? We'll see. We'll see if it changes anything. So he has a full week of practice, full week of reps. He has a full week of everything. Can Nick Foles rescue the Eagles? Will he rescue the Eagles? And have we seen the last of Mike Vick? Probably so. I don't – well, if Nick Foles win and the Eagles win tomorrow, depending on how he plays, if he plays well, being that the Eagles are on a four-game winning losing streak, I should say, coming into this game, do you almost stick with Foles moving forward? Do you almost stick with Foles moving forward, seeing what you have there? I, I am under the belief that if Michael Vick is healthy and you're still involved in or still have an opportunity to get to the playoffs, you just continue with Mike Vick. I think he gives you the best opportunity to win. I don't think Nick Foles gives you the best opportunity to win. I think Michael Vick gives you the best opportunity to win. I believe Michael Vick gives you the best opportunity to win, not Nick Foles. Michael Vick gives you the best opportunity to win. Now, we'll see what Nick Foles brings to the table this week. We'll see if Nick Foles comes out and likes to join up for the Eagles. We'll see. We'll see. Don't bet on it. Don't bet on it. But to his, you know, the uh, Redskins secondary is not that good. Giving up a lot of yardage, a lot of big plays throughout the course of this year. So it has not been that good. So I don't know. We'll see what the Eagles have. We'll see if the Eagles are a team that's going to make a run. You could probably argue at this point, if the run has not been made, it's probably not going to be had. It's probably not going to happen. But I don't know. I'm not, you know, the odds are against it, obviously. Let's let's keep it real with that. The odds are definitely against it. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Are the odds against it? Of course. Of course they're against it. Doesn't mean it won't happen. I think it still can happen. I definitely think it still can happen. We'll see. We shall see if the Eagles and Nick Foles can turn it around. We'll see if Nick Foles and the Eagles can get this team in position to make a run at it. We shall see. The odds are against it. The odds are against it. The odds are against it. Was it impossible? 
No, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Not impossible at all. Not impossible at all. Especially the way the Giants are playing. Giants have not been playing good football. They haven't. They just have not been playing good football. So with that being said, this is now an opportunity for Nick Foles, obviously, and maybe an opportunity for the Eagles to get back into this thing. Maybe. Maybe. Defense has to play a little better. They have to tackle better. I mean, I know that. I know that. They have, definitely have to tackle better if they want to make it a reality. But I don't know. I don't know. I I I look at this team and I can't – I don't know. I mean, you just don't see that hope. You know, you don't see hope with this team. You're not very optimistic with the Eagles. You're just not that optimistic with this team. You're not. But you know what? We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll change. Maybe Nick Foles can light a fire under this team. Maybe the defense. Nick Foles can have a Tebow effect and come in and get the defense going and get everybody going. Maybe. Maybe. But it doesn't look good right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. And a team that we were saying that, you know, in the beginning that didn't look good for the New Orleans Saints are making a run at it right now. How about those Saints going and beating the Atlanta Falcons? And the Falcons, they got their first loss of the season. And the Saints went in there and it's, uh, in New Orleans, obviously, and the Saints, Drew Brees, put up his numbers. And, I, you know, I talked about that game last week going into that game. I said the – the Saints would have an opportunity because of the way they scored a score. Because of the way they scored, the Saints would have an opportunity in that game. I didn't say necessarily the Saints were going to win. But I said they would have an opportunity. I mean, and watching that defense, I didn't think the defense could stop Matty Ice. I, I didn't think they could. And they they didn't, really. They didn't obviously shut down Matty Ice. Matty Ice still put up his numbers. Falcons still put up their points. Just Breeze and those boys put up more. Breeze and those boys put up more points. The Falcons as a whole put up more points. And this is a Falcon team now that lost for the first time. I should say the, I was saying the Falcons put up more points. Actually, the Saints put up more points. And Matty Ice, over 400 yards, three touchdowns. Over 400 yards and three touchdowns. So he put up his numbers. And teams as a whole are going to put up your numbers against the Saints. That's just the reality of that defense. That defense stinks. Teams are going to put up their numbers against the Saints. And that's what Matty Ice did. He put up his numbers. Had a big interception on that particular game that he had, but he put up his numbers. And ultimately the Saints were able to still win the game. Drew Brees put up his numbers, and the Saints found a way. The Saints found a way. Can the Saints make the playoffs? Can the Saints really make the playoffs at this point? Can New Orleans turn this thing around? They have the offense to do it. They definitely have the offense. The defense can get, you get some a little more from the defense. 
if you can just get a little more from the defense, a defense that's 31st against the pass and 32nd against the run. So they're bad. If you're in the 30s, you're bad as a defense. And that's what they are. 31st against the pass, 32nd against the run. So they're bad. Bad defense. A bad defense in New Orleans. Bad defense in New Orleans. Can it get better for the Saints? I don't know. I look at their schedule. Not awful, but not easy. At Oakland, a tough place to play. A game they should try to, you know, a game they should win, but it's a tough place to play. They got San Francisco. That's going to be a tough one. They go to Atlanta. You know, Atlanta smells. You know, Atlanta's not going to be too happy. They go to New York. It's not going to be a tough place. And they still go to to Dallas as well. So, looking at their schedule, I would have to say probably not in terms of the Saints getting to the playoffs. They have the offense to do it. They have the weapons to do it on the offensive side of football. But defensively, they're just awful. They're just not good enough on the defensive side of football to consistently win. They're just not. They're just not good enough. They're not. They're not. And it's unfortunate. I mean, the Saints, they they essentially got the death penalty um, with the whole Sean Payton thing. And what happened there, the bounty scandal and all that, I mean, it just really hurt this team. It really hurt this team. And, I, again, I you know, I, I talked about it to the end and how much I was against the whole situation with the bounties and, and suspending the players and, and everything. I mean, I was, you know, and obviously at this point it's been looking like, you know, who knows if this, this thing ever existed. Now, with with some of the things that we're hearing, who knows if this thing ever existed? Did it probably exist? Gun to my head, I would probably say something probably was in place. If you're putting a gun to my head, probably. But at the same time, I don't know. At the same time, I don't know. I don't know. But obviously the bounty scandal affected the Saints big time. Affected the Saints big time. The Saints have been struggling. They've been struggling. They've been struggling. But they've been turning around of late, playing some good football now, and who knows what can happen with the Saints. Can they get to the playoffs? I mean, with that offense, you always have a shot. With that defense... Probably not. It rhymes, you know. With the offense, you have a shot. With the defense, probably not. So, we'll see. We'll see what the New Orleans Saints and whether or not they can turn it around. And to this point, I mean, they're, again, they've been winning some games of late. They've been winning some games of late, including an impressive performance against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. So it's not like they beat the little sisters of the poor 
and beating the Falcons. They beat a legitimate Falcon ball club, a legitimate team, a legitimate team, a legitimate, obviously legitimate. There was 8-0 coming into the game. And Roddy White was talking about this team possibly could be a, a, a team that could um, go undefeated. He was talking about them in, in that way. This is a team that could go undefeated, according to Roddy White. So, to give the Atlanta, give the New Orleans Saints a lot of credit. Give them a lot of credit. Now, again, do I think the Saints will make the playoffs? No, I don't. I don't think they will. And I'd be shocked if they do. Be shocked if they do. I don't think they make the playoffs. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the way that maybe they can come, maybe this, this these past few weeks they're they're coming together. Maybe they're 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 coming together and they're bringing it all together. Maybe they're bringing this thing all together. And ultimately, in bringing it together, maybe the Saints, maybe the Saints could actually make a run. I don't think so. I don't think so. Be shocked if they did. Well, let me change. I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think they will. Just with that defense. That defense is just awful. If that defense could get a little better, just a little better, a little better, not a lot better, just a little bit. With that offense, if that defense could get a little better, who knows what could happen? Just a little better. Not a lot of better, a little better. And a lot of better, I don't know if that's even a word, but if they could get a little better. And how about going around the NFL? How about a lot of injuries this week with quarterbacks? You got uh, Michael Vick, he's out for this year, this week. Cutler, out for this week. Alex Smith, he had a concussion. I believe he's going to start on Monday. And he had Big Ben, who could be out for a while. Shoulder and, and a rib situation with Big Ben. And the Steelers, you wonder now. Big game against the Baltimore Ravens this week. You wonder how that's going to affect the Steelers. Let's be real. If Ben Roethlisberger is going for the year, then the Steelers are done. Cook them, fry them up, put them in a pan. They're done. They they could make the playoffs, but in terms of talk, we're talking championships and, and making some noise in the playoffs, now they're done. I think they can still get to the playoffs without Big Ben, but in terms of, of doing damage in the playoffs, they won't be able to do that without Big Ben, Roethlisberger. They won't be able to do it. They won't. Again, they can get to the playoffs without Big Ben, but in terms of doing damage, I don't know if that's possible without Big Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know how possible that is. I don't think that's possible at all, to be honest with you. I don't think it's possible at all. Byron Leftwich and, and Charlie Batch, your two options in terms of backups, these are guys that I don't think can... I don't think I don't think they can get you to where you want to go in the playoffs. So I'm looking at this team with, with Byron Leftwich and for for the short term, 
he can get them to the playoffs, short term. Long term, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work long term. It's not. It's just not. He's not good enough. This team as a whole is not good enough without that big Ben Roethlisberger. Short term, yes. Long term, no. But a lot of quarterbacks did go down this week. They did go down this week. Of course, Vic and, and the rest of them went down. Smith, Cutler, and you, you know what? You wonder now with, with the Bears. They had a situation a year ago with Jay Cutler missed an extended period of time. And granted, they upgraded their backup position last year with Caleb Haney. This year, it's Jason Campbell. It's an upgrade. It's definitely an upgrade in terms of uh, the backup position. It's an upgrade. Caleb Haney, a year ago, you know, he, he came in and he was awful for the Bears. And the Bears suffered as a team. The Bears suffered. The Bears suffered. They suffered last year without Jay Cutler. Will it get better with Jason Campbell instead of Caleb Haney? I think it will. I think the Bears will be able to sustain, and, and Cutler probably won't be out for that long. I mean, it is a concussion, so I don't extend to, expect him to be out for an extended period of time. And obviously I think Jason Campbell is an upgrade, and he's a better solution than Caleb Haney. I mean, I had an issue with that move last year. I'm thinking, you know, you got a quarterback like Donovan McNabb who's out here on the streets, and you're going with Caleb Haney, and he struggled mightily. And I'm not saying, you know, obviously Donovan McNabb wasn't having the better, his best years, obviously. He did not have a good year in Minnesota. But you can't tell me, and you mean to tell me that uh, Caleb Haney was better than Donovan McNabb a year ago? I don't think so. But the Bears upgraded, and give the Bears a lot of credit. They upgraded their backup position with Jason Campbell, and hopefully for the Bears moving forward, that will be enough. Let's bring in a guy now, done a lot of great things on the field, Hall of Famer, 11-time Pro Bowler, the one, the only, Willie Rofe. Willie, how are you, sir? Good day. Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And, and Willie, let's get right down to it. Let's start with the New York Jets. We, we have some unnamed players basically saying that Tim Tebow is no good and, and pretty much saying that Mark Sanchez is the better quarterback and gives the team the best chance to win. When you hear those type of things, unnamed players talking, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Players, you know, talking but not giving their name and not putting the name to I mean, it. I mean, at this point, with the way the season is, you know, why would you why would you even say something like that? And, and obviously, Mark Sanchez isn't doing well. Your team is struggling. I mean, it, it just sounds like people, players that are hating on Tim Tebow. And at this point, with the way you're losing football games, I would think you want to try some other, other other things. But it seems like to me that that um, uh, the Jets have turned into a lot of prima donnas. You know, there's a lot of egos, a lot of a lot of flash and dash, you know, but 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 nobody's doing nothing on the field. So we can say that about some other teams. There's a lot of egos, but but guys aren't getting it done, and, and that's the bottom line. That they they're not playing well, and they're not getting it done. And I mean, I think Mark Sanchez is the better quarterback between the two. But I said I said earlier, as far as I'm concerned, the Jets are depleted. They don't have any weapons. 
far as I'm concerned, you might as well go with Tim Tebow. At least you have that other, that other element in terms of him running. I think he could do more with less than Mark Sanchez. And I'm saying I'm not saying he's better than Sanchez, but I'm just saying for for what they have, I think he's a better solution. Plus that three and six, and we know how Sanchez has been playing throughout the course of the season it has not been good. So I would go with Tebow at this point. I don't expect it to happen, but that's what I would do if I were the Jets. I think he he gives you a better chance. At least try it out and see if it works out. See see if something changes right at this point. Right. Exactly. And speaking of change, there is some change going on in New Orleans. The New Orleans Saints, at one point a team who was 0-5 and then seemingly left for dead, have now turned it around. And you could say that the Saints are involved in some respect. They have an opportunity. You could say that the Saints have an opportunity. I'm not saying they'll get to where they need to go in terms of getting to the playoffs. I don't expect that to happen, but... They have an opportunity, and they show a lot of pride last week and play some big-time football and beating the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons lost for the first time. And I mean, the Saints are 4-5, and five, Willie. I mean, and I told I you, I, I, th- go I, thought, I thought they'd win that game. I really thought they'd have a good shot to win the game, and they went out there and they played good football. They, the secondary held up, and uh, they outplayed the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they they don't have any rings, and all they do is sit there and want to talk, talk every year. Rodney White, they start talking all this mess to get the Saints fired up. And, you know, when they're playing well, they go down there and get beat. So, you know, I blame some of that on themselves for, for going down there and doing all that talking like they've done for years, and then they go down there and get beat. Exactly. I mean, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, Roddy White's been doing a lot of talk, talking over the past couple of years, and we look at this Falcon team. We we saw what they did a few years back. I mean, number one seed in the, in the uh, NFC, and they lose to the Packers in the first round. And last year, they put up two points against the New York Giants in the playoffs. I mean, they, they do a lot of talking, and there are a lot of weapons in Atlanta. But I don't necessarily agree. I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily in love with the Falcons. I, I, I'm not in love with the team at all. I mean – they have the weapons. Don't get me wrong. Matt, Matt Ryan is one of the better quarterbacks in this league, but I'm just not in love with that team. And I think their teams, I think the Packers could be a better team than the Falcons at this point. Um, I, I think there's some teams out there who are better than this team. I know they have the records, but uh, I think the Packers could be a better team than them. Well, you, then you must be saying the Packers are the best team in the NFC then. They're one of the best teams in the NFC. They're coming. They're coming. They're playing some good football at the right time, and they're coming. They are truly coming right now. And uh, yes, they are one of the better teams in the NFC. Maybe the best team in the NFC. They when they they're, they're playing big time football right now. Aaron Rodgers putting up big time numbers. He's playing like the Aaron Rodgers that we thought we would see to start the season. That Packer offense is playing the way the way we thought it would play at the start of the season right now. So. They're six and three, and they're coming for the Bears. First off, they may catch the Bears, especially with Jay Cutler being out, and who knows how well Jason Campbell will play. I definitely think it's an upgrade in terms of their backup position, but I'm not necessarily sure if the Bears can keep this thing going without Cutler. We'll see. We'll see, and I don't expect Cutler to miss a lot of time, so we'll see. And Willie, we we talked about a lot of injured quarterbacks this week. I mean, Alex Smith, Michael Vick. Um, we talked about Jay Cutler as well. But Big Ben and the Steelers, he could be out for a while. 
He could be out for a while, and they have a big game tomorrow against the Ravens. Overall, can the Steelers survive without Ben Roethlisberger? I think no. they can get to the playoffs. But no. I don't think – go ahead. No. So no, you, you no don't they think... won't go far, no. Playoffs? Maybe, but they won't go they – they don't have Big Ben and not the same team. Right. He's a difference maker for that team. He's definitely a difference maker. And I don't. I agree with you. I mean, I just, I can't, I can see them getting to the playoffs, but in terms of winning a Super Bowl, getting to the Super Bowl, it's not doable. Not with Byron Leftwich and Charlie Batch as your options. Not bad options. Don't get me wrong, it's in terms of a backup. They're not bad options, but they're not championship options. And the way the Steelers' offensive line is as a whole, Big Ben is a, he's a big difference and is a difference maker for this team. And I think actually I think the Steelers are actually going to win tomorrow. But you know that's just my opinion. I think they're going to beat the Ravens tomorrow. I really do. And so uh, at home, I just expect them to, to beat the Ravens tomorrow. And I think everybody's going to pick up their play. And ultimately, I see the Steelers winning that game. We'll see. Steelers have a shot tomorrow. They have a shot. Yes. They have a shot. I mean, they have a shot. They have a shot. I won't say they don't have a shot, especially at home. At home, they always have a shot at home. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rolfing. Willie, we got to go to the situation in Philly. Four in a row, Michael Vick. Why? 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 We got to go here. Why? We got to go here about this team. I mean. Obviously, Michael. I gave Vick, up on him a long time ago. You gave up on him a long time ago. Well, let me ask you this question about Michael Vick. I mean, <laughs> have we seen the last of Michael Vick in the Eagle uniform? Not only for this year, but forever, in terms of an Eagle uniform. I wouldn't say that. Matters, it matters how the rookie plays. Okay. Do you expect? Well, uh, the rookie has not. I mean, I he think wasn't Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid. You've more seen of either Andy Reid. Right, but I'm I mean, it, yeah, Andy Reid can't. I don't see Andy Reid surviving this at all. I can't, especially after the owner came out in the beginning of the year and said, "You know what? Eight and eight's not good enough." Well, they may not get to eight wins this year. So, <laughs> I mean, they may not even get to eight the way they've been playing of late. That defense has been playing awful. Uh, their offense hasn't been great. The offensive line, we all know what that is. It's been awful. There's a lot of awfuls when you when you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and you know as far as I'm concerned you look at the talent base and you say to yourself maybe you could say maybe they're not as talented as we thought you can also say maybe they're not as, as well coached as a, as we thought they would be or could be by Andy Reid I mean those are probably the things that you're saying right now about the Eagles I mean it's just and I watched the Eagles and Cowboys last week and those two teams it was just bad football. You didn't see anything special out of those two teams at all last week. Just yeah, the Cowboys, Cowboys won the game. I mean, at the end of the day, they won the game. But and I will say this, and, and you know, a lot of people may laugh, but you look at the New York Giants right now, the head, the top of the division, and, and the loss column. The Eagles are two games behind them, two games behind the Giants in the loss column. Giants are on a bye this week. Eagles had the Giants last week of the season. Now, I'm, I'm not – I look at this, I don't think the Cowboys are that good, but I also think, you know, they have an opportunity as well because they're only one game behind the Giants in the lost column in the NFC East. But 
I, I look at this Eagle team. If they can get it together, and I'm not saying they are, I don't see it, but if, if they could just play a little better football, they could theoretically, going into the last week of the season, if you're one game behind the Giants and the Giants have not been world beaters, they looked awful against the Bengals last week. And but the, next the division week they play is not the good this year. And it's been a long time since we said that that division has not been that solid. No, you could you could argue, just looking at that division. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's the worst in football, but it's darn near close. It's not worse than the AFC West. I can tell you that. Right, right. It's not worse than the AFC West, but it's close. It's, I mean, you, you have, if you look at the NFC East, I mean, you have the, the Cowboys who are 4-5, and five, but you have the Eagles and Redskins who are both 3-6. and six. You're right, it's not six. good. You're right, it's not that good. It's not that good at all. I mean, I, I will say this, it's the worst division in the NFC. Yeah, I agree with that. It's definitely the worst division in the NFC. And in terms of the league, in terms of the league, you look at the hmm, – the AFC East, you could argue, I mean, that the AFC East, no, nah, I don't think the AFC East. Is AFC bad. West is the worst in the league. Uh, the Raiders, the Chiefs, San Diego, except for Denver. Denver. Denver makes up a lot for it. But right. if you took, other than Denver, it's horrible. Other than Denver, yes. I'm not quick. I'm not ready to put San Diego to bed yet. Come on. I'm not ready to put San Diego to bed. Paul, yes. you you, you yeah. being very generous this week. I'm not ready. To, I'm not ready to put them away just You're yet. You're being very very generous. But, all right, but let's look at it. Let's look at it, Willie. I mean, we look at the, the San Diego Chargers as bad as they played. They're the seventh seed right now. Obviously, the first six seed make the seed to make the playoffs. But they're only a, a game and a half behind the Steelers. And you look at the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger could be going for an extended period of time. And granted, well, I think well, that, they tells you what, that tells you the state of the league right now, doesn't it? They're there. I mean, the Chargers are that right there. That tells you the state of the league. That tells you where the league is right now. It, it's not. I mean, it's it's some mediocre football. Very mediocre football going on. Very mediocre football going on. I, yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, okay. but you know, yeah, that, I know you can. You, but you're you're ready to put the Chargers to bed, and the Colts are headed. Colts are the fifth seed, and the Steelers are the sixth seed. The Colts, how good truly are the Colts? We yes, they've been playing some decent football, but they do have a rookie as a quarterback. The Steelers, yes, they've been playing some decent football late, but Ben Roethlisberger is going to be going for an extended period of time. Could be going for could be going for the season, but it's definitely going to be going for some time. And so you have him out of the mix. Who know, who knows how well Leftwich or Charlie Batch will play? So as far as I'm concerned, the San Diego Chargers are still in the mix, believe it or not. And I guess that's an indictment in a lot of ways of what's been going on this NFL season. I mean, especially in the AFC. The AFC is not really that good. I mean, you look at the you got it the the, the Buff, we got Buffalo, Miami, New York. I mean, the Jets theoretically. Well, they're done. I'm not going to say. I'm not making a case for the Jets. The Jets are done. But uh, the point is, the AFC is not very good. And so the Chargers, I had, I predicted them. I predicted that the Chargers would make it to the playoffs and win the wild card spot at the beginning of the year. And I still think there's a possibility. I'm not ready 
or prepared to put them to bed just yet. It's close. It's close. But I'm not going to do it just yet. Maybe you can. I mean, it's the Thanksgiving holiday too, so let's. Uh, so uh, you know, maybe that's the reason. Maybe you, I could be generous. You could argue that I'm being generous. I mean, yeah, you're being very, very generous. Just not good football. It's not good football. You got the holiday season coming up. I mean, so you know, I'm just at a good place right now mentally, and so maybe that's why I am being so generous to some of these teams. Willie, let's look at it now. Top five teams in the league. Who you got? Who's Oh man, it's tough. Uh, I agree with you. I, I got the Packers are playing solid football. I got Packers one. Uh, I can't discredit Houston didn't play great, but they won on the road. I got Houston two. I got Denver three. Denver's playing good football, winning convincingly week in week out, playing pretty good football. I got uh, the Falcons sliding to four, maybe five. And I got New England at four. I got New England at four. I put the Falcons at five. Okay, so you got the you got the Packers one, Texans two. Who do you have at three again? Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos at three. Okay, they're playing good right. football. Well, here's what I'm, I'm going to disagree slightly. They're playing put, good football. I'm gonna put Houston number one, a big time road win in Chicago. They only scored thirteen. They go in. It's Chicago, a team with a very good defense, and they get the victory. <sighs> Granted, Jay Cutler missed some time in that particular game, but, hey, you go into Chicago, that's a tough place to play. That's a defense that's been playing some big-time football. That was a workmanlike performance out of the Texans. That, to me, is going to put them Yeah, but the, the Packers top. beat them at home. Yes, I, I agree with you on that. But, I mean, I have to agree with you because it happened. But I will say this. I will say this. That was an impressive performance by the Texans. It was impressive, but it wasn't great because uh, because Chicago turned it over five or six times, um, and and that's a byproduct of the Texans' defense. That's no, that was a byproduct of Jay Cutler and them being not playing sloppy football, too. Okay, I got Packers one, Houston two, Denver three, New England four, Falcons at five. Well, I got the Falcons at three. Um, I got obviously I got the uh, Texans at one. Falcons at three, at uh, three. The Packers at two. You're not giving number, the Broncos any credit. Number, I, I mean, uh, play somebody with a pulse. I you're mean, not, but you're not giving them credit for playing good football for the last yeah, four four weeks. They're playing some good football. You know what? Let me see what happens this week against my Chargers. Let me see what happens against, uh, this week against my Chargers. Okay. Oh my God! All right. I mean, I, I look at this Bronco team, but Willie, look, who have they? You're beaten? not giving them credit though. Mm-hmm. But who have they beaten the past four weeks? I don't care. They've got Peyton Manning. But who have they beaten the past four weeks? The Chargers, who's under 500. The, the Saints, who are under 500. The Bengals, who are under 500. And Carolina, who's under 500. The they beat four sub-500 teams. The, the Saints just would have knocked off the Falcons, though. I, I'll give you that. But at the time, the Saints weren't playing good football. They demolished the Saints. They whooped the Saints at all. They punished the Saints. They did, though. but the Saints were at the time. The Saints weren't playing good football. Okay. They've been playing right. good well, football over the past give, few let's weeks. Give them a little credit, would you please? I can't they're do it. Good I, football. They are playing good football, but look who they're doing it against. Okay, well we'll see. Look who they're doing it against. The little sisters of the poor. Okay. They don't play. Any, Willie, you look at this Bronco team. They don't play anybody with a pulse. Until they go to, uh, well, tomorrow they play a team with somewhat of a pulse in the Chargers. But other than the Chargers, they don't play anybody the with a pulse. Give me a break. They're going to they're gonna beat the Chargers. 
they had to pick the charges up and and, and up in uh when came down came back from twenty four down and beat them. Came but back from twenty four down and half time and beat them. Come on, Paul. I understand that, Willie, but I mean that was a Charger team that was uh, a few plays away from putting that football game away. I mean, well, he He gave him that game back. I mean, until Denver, until Denver plays a team with a pulse, and they got a team tomorrow with somewhat of a pulse, Chargers, and until the, and the next team they play with a pulse is Week 15 against the Ravens at Baltimore. That's the game I'm zeroing it, zeroing in on. That's the game I'm focusing on. That's the game I'm looking closely at to see whether or not, to see whether or not this Denver Bronco team is for real. This is a team I had going to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. But at the, and I hear all this Peyton Manning for MVP talk, and he's playing good football, but we saw what happened at the beginning of the year when they were playing teams with pulses, Atlanta, the Texans, and New England. They played three teams with a pulse, and they lost three times. They, they All three games they lost. So let's see what happens when they play with somebody with a – I mean, who have they beat? They beat the Steelers, the only team they've beaten uh, that has an above 500 record. That's the only – they've only beaten one game, one team that's been above 500. That's above 500. And at the time, the Steelers really weren't playing good football. So – I'm not ready to do that with these Denver, with this Denver Broncos team. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I know you believe in them, but I, I'm not prepared well, to do that. Well, I believe in them. They're playing good in all three phases when they do play. And their defense, is, you've got a solid defense. So I got them in my top five. Are you saying they're not in the top five? Because um, San, Francisco, San Francisco tied St. Louis. I'm saying uh, in terms of a top five, I'm saying the Denver Broncos are not in the top five. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they are um, in the top five. They won two weeks in a row. I'm going with the Packers. I'm going with the Falcons ahead of them, obviously. Uh, I'm going with the Texans ahead of the them. The Falcons just got beat by the Saints. But they're still 8-1. They're still an 8-1 team. Okay. I'm going them ahead of the Broncos. The Ravens are at 7-2. I'm going with them over the Broncos. And even though the 49ers tied, I'm, I still think they're The better. 49ers? I still think they're better than the Broncos. Again, you're a Paul. You're really you, you. You. Something. I don't know what you drank last night. Uh, you must have had some. Something's got you screwed. The 49ers? Willie. We'll see. I'll tell you what. I'll take Peyton Manning over Flacco any day. Here, we took, this, this argument will be put to rest when they play Baltimore in yeah. two weeks. This yeah. argument will be put silence. I won't be here to talk about it, but you talk about it. Because in two weeks, no, when they play Baltimore, they'll show you how good they are. I'm not even considering the game tomorrow. They're, they're at home against the Chargers, they'll win by 15. December 16th against the Baltimore Ravens. Circle it on your calendar. Circle it right now, December 16th. I'll be back that's, that's, uh, that's where we'll find out whether or not the Baltimore Ravens, not the Baltimore Ravens, excuse me, the Denver Broncos are for real. That's where we'll find out. W- Willie, as always, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanksgiving's coming up. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. And as always, we'll do it again when you come on back. Oh, don't, get, don't, don't mess up your pick. You did a good job with making that pick. The Broncos will be stronger, and they'll be a better team in December, and they'll be making a run. 
Siege one. And I'm not going to give a top player spot. You give it up on them. If no, you no, don't no, top five, you put the 49ers who will let Sean St. Louis time at home. I'm not saying St. Louis has played better, but they're still playing too inconsistent. No, I'm not. I'm not. I have the Broncos going to the Super Bowl, and I'm going to stick with that pick. But I will say this: they have to show me something, and I'm uh, the only way they're going to show me something because they're not showing me something beating the teams that they're beating. That, that's the teams they're supposed to beat. You beat who you're supposed. And granted, a win is a win in this league, but you know those are teams you're supposed to beat. The teams that they weren't, the teams that you know you had some question: Atlanta, Houston, and New England. Those are the three games that they lost. They, they, made it, they almost came back against Atlanta. Remember, remember Peyton Manning threw three bad picks early in that game. They had him thrusted for a minute, and he picked it up as the game went on. They made a game out of it. They made a but game they, out they, of it. That was early in the season when he, when he came back off a neck injury. I'll give you that. Was, that was before, you that's what the team getting to know each other. Okay, okay, let's look at week five when he lost to the New England Patriots. I mean, they lost in New England. That was a legitimate loss. That was a legitimate loss. Okay, so, and after that, the the last four weeks, you're talking little sisters of the poor. San Diego, New Orleans, Cincinnati, Carolina. What you call it, the Saints? Little sisters of the poor. What I remember is the Saints drove down and scored on that first drive, and after that, they got uh, bum-rushed by Denver at home. I agree with you. But, again, you – I mean, to me, it's you know, if I'm going out there and and I'm playing my yeah. you know my ten year old son in basketball, I'm supposed to beat him. If I lose to him, I, there's no excuse. You can't okay, judge well, me by that. Well, you can't uh, judge me by that. You can uh, judge as me I, as I exit the phone. We're gonna put your Philadelphia Eagles in the little sisters of the poor. Uh, um, at this point, I think you can. Thank you. Them. We'll put them in the little sisters of the poor. Yeah, they are one the bottom of the pile too. I wouldn't put them at the bottom, but they okay, are definitely one of those. Close. They oh, definitely one of those little sisters. <laughs> they are a little sister. There's no doubt about it. They truly are a little sister of the poor at this point. <laughs> but again, the New York Giants are six and four. Again, the Giants haven't been playing good football. And again, the Giants coming off their bye play the Green Bay Packers. So if the Eagles could beat the Redskins, which is a very winnable game against the Washington Redskins, if they can win that particular ball game, they could be in a position where they're uh, what. One game, one and a half games behind the New York Giants. Yeah, and, they, and, they'll, and they'll come out and block for that young kid this week too when they play him too. They're gonna have to because he doesn't he doesn't move very well. So they're gonna okay. they're gonna have we'll, to block we'll, for him. They're we'll see what happens. We'll see, Willie. As always, a pleasure, man. All right, take it easy. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgame where you can listen to this show. And other great shows. We were expected to be joined by Joyful Drake from Let's Stay Together. I don't know what happened there, but we're going to look to try to reschedule her at another time. But we're going to be back here next Tuesday, Tuesday night. Uh, we won't be here next Saturday. We will be back next Tuesday. So let's be joined by Jay Ellis, one of the new members of the game, BT's The Game. So we're expected to be joined by him next Tuesday night. So make sure you stick and stay and watch and listen, I should say, that particular show. I hope you have a great week. If I don't hear, if you don't hear my voice again, hopefully you'll have a happy Thanksgiving. Take care. See you later. Bye.